guys here today. Thanks so much for being here at the start of a brand new year. Yeah, it's great to see you guys, man. I'm excited about what God's going to do in 2016, excited about our remodel. Thanks in advance for everybody who's going to come out and help us make this a possibility today at 2.30. Well, listen, I, some of you guys probably seen on the way in that we had a scale uh, out front for you guys. How many people happen to notice that? What is it? Here's a question I want to ask as we jump in today. What is it about these little things that cause us so much anxiety? Now, I know there's some of you here, and you've been 157 pounds since you graduated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This message doesn't apply to you. Most of us here don't like you. We just wouldn't tell you. But for the rest of us, for normal people here, let's be honest. When we think about a scale, when we think about having to get on a scale, there's just a little bit of anxiety. There's a little bit of nervousness that comes with it. Right, if you have to go to the doctor, and it's one thing to get on a scale by yourself, but when you know you got to go to the doctor's office and there's a nurse, right, and, and it's worse when the nurse, when you get on the scale and she sees what you used to weigh and what you now weigh, and it's not enough just to write it down, she has to go, hmm, someone's been busy. You know, I mean, it's, it's another thing, right, and so uh, going, <laughs> not just going to the doctor, but a lot of anxiety this time of the year. Because a lot of us, maybe you maintain your weight the rest of the year, but this is the time of the year you kind of let loose, and through the holidays, you kind of overindulge, and you eat a little more sweets, you eat a little more fudge, you eat a little more maybe second helpings during, during uh, Christmas and New Year's dinners. And so it's easy to put on a few pounds and feel a little anxious about the thought of stepping on one of these. It's easy to feel just a little bit nervous about getting on one of these. Uh, I, I've told you guys before when I work out in the gym and I have no shame in my game uh, when I'm working out uh, When I'm finished working out of the machine I move the weight down so the next person on thinks I was working out with more than I was working out with And when I weigh myself I move the scale down so when the next person gets on they think I weigh less than I actually weigh I know it's vanity and I'm working on my problems you work on yours I focus on me you focus on you all right But it, come on let's be honest this causes for some of us a little bit of anxiety and here's why because this gives every single one of us the absolute, utter, bitter truth. Doesn't it? Don't you wish there were scales that before it gave the number, that it would give like some more words of affirmation? Just before I give you the number, I'd just like to let you know that you're good on the inside and people like you. <laughs> it doesn't do that, right? I mean, just kind of just right out of the gate. It gives brute honest a three-digit number that for some of us rocks our world. Because here's what studies show. A lot of people avoid scales. This is true. A lot of people avoid scales because they know there's some truth, but they feel like if they don't see the truth, the truth is kind of not there. In fact, here's what studies show more. I think this is interesting, that when people finally get on a scale, they actually weigh more than what they thought they weighed. So while we know that there's kind of a problem in the background, we, while we know our weight maybe is a little out of control, while we know that kind of things are not the way they should be, in reality, when we try to avoid the truth, the truth is sometimes harsher or more harsh than what we believe. Think about that. So I thought it would be great to ask a question going into this new year. Instead of our physical weight, what would happen if we could weigh our marriages? I wonder what would happen if we could put our relationships on a scale. I wonder what would happen if we could put, kind of measure our careers. If we could determine how healthy we are spiritually by getting on a scale. I wonder what would happen if we could put our life on a scale. So the reality is, see, most of us in this room, there are probably areas in our life that we think probably we would like to change. Some things we feel like maybe we need to adjust. But the truth is, we're never really honest with ourselves. We kind of make excuses, right? Kind of like the scale, 
Well, you know, I mean, it's my DNA, it's my genetics, I've had a bad month, I just went through a breakup, it was just through the holidays. Let's be honest, one of my favorite Instagram pics over this season, I don't know if I've seen this, it says this, let's be honest, you were fat in August. Right? I was like, oh, I got fat during the holidays. No, you've been fat for a long time, and that's for me, I'm not picking on anybody. So listen, here's, here's a great verse in Proverbs, listen to what the Bible says, listen to this, everyone read this with me. The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. I feel like, you know, God's saying, hey, when we make excuses about where we are, not, not again, not just with our physical weight, but when we tend to make excuses about where our relationships are, when we tend to somehow marginalize or minimalize kind of our marriages and our finances, some of you in this room, you're kind of not really where you want to be in your career. And it's not because you've been held back. You've not really had the motivation you think you should have. You've not worked as hard as probably you know you should work. And there's something about it when kind of we're confronted with that reality. We tend, again, to make all kinds of excuses. But here's what God says. God says, here, listen, I'm not interested in dishonest scales. Because here's why. The only way we can ever really experience the change that we need to experience is just to be honest with where we are. Right? If you make excuses for your weight, if you make excuses not for your weight, but for your finances, your marriage, your relationships, your career, your grades, whatever it is that you recognize you to change, if you tend to just kind of make excuses and you're not honest with where you are, you're never going to change. Because here's what I know and here's what you know, is that people won't seek desperate change until they realize that they're in a desperate situation. Until you're honest enough to say, wow, man, my marriage is in a bad place. Until you're honest enough to say, man, our finances are in a wreck, like we're one paycheck away from bad things. Until you're honest enough to say, like I'm hanging on to my college education by a thread. Until you're honest enough to realize you're in a desperate situation, you'll never seek desperate change. And so Jesus, because this is the time of the year, right? This is the time of the year we talk about changes. This is the time of the year. It's New Year's resolutions. And we talk about all the changes we're going to make. We talk about how this year is going to be different than last year. There's a lot of things that we're going to talk about personally and in our lives that we think we want to change and we should change. But here's what I want you to know is that if you don't change the right things, you won't get the right results. So you can make changes and you can make adjustments. But until you make the right adjustments, the areas of your life that really need to change and be better in 2016 will never get there. And so we're going to look today in Matthew chapter 15 at a conversation Jesus has about us making the adjustment in the right places for us to experience the right change. And here's, he jumps right in, Matthew chapter 15, in verse 10 he says this, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, read this with me, hear and understand. Now this is, this is so, this is so big, it's easy reading this just to kind of blow by this and th not think it's important. But Jesus, being the Son of God, everything he said had value. Everything he, had, everything he said had weight. It had importance. Everything he said was truth. But when he says this, he's saying, hey, listen, everything I say is important. Everything I say is truth. But when he throws this in at the beginning of this teaching, what he's saying is, hey, this is some really important truth. This applies to everybody. And so he's trying to pull us all in and make sure we're all part of the conversation. Keep going. Now what goes into the mouth defiles, I'm sorry, not what goes into a mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Think about what Jesus just said. 
Because as we head into 2016, everybody in this room, we all know the number one resolution that people are going to make this time of the year about what's going to be different in 2016. What's the number one resolution? Come on, everybody shout it out. It's lose weight. Everybody's saying, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be more healthy. I'm going to get to the gym. And, and listen, I think maybe you might need to lose weight. I need to lose more weight. You might need to get to the gym. But here's what I want you to hear is Jesus says, hey, listen, the problem isn't what you're putting in your mouth. That's not the problem. Jesus says, hey, the real problem isn't your diet. The real problem isn't what you're putting in your mouth. The real problem is not what's going into your mouth, but what's coming out of your mouth. So while, while I hear this, while we're getting ready to make all of these changes to have a better 2016, if your starting point is your diet, if your starting point is your scale, if your starting point is how much time you spend in the gym, Jesus is saying you're never going to get where you want to get. You're never going to experience true life change if you start by just changing what you eat. Keep going. Then his disciples came and said to him, I love this. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they, heard, when they heard this saying? So the Pharisees, if you don't know who the Pharisees were, the Pharisees were the religious teachers of the time of Jesus. And what's so important about them is they were kind of the cultural trendsetters of that time. They were the ones that kind of determined what was important, what was valuable, what was kind of what was acceptable in culture. In fact, every little boy and girl, in our, right now in our time, every boy and girl, they want to grow up and they want to be a basketball star. They want to be a football star. They want to get a college education and they want to, you know, do something important. Back in the time of Jesus, the A-listers, the cultural icons were the Pharisees, right? And so, man, what they said was so important. What they said kind of captivated people. And what they had been telling people is, hey, if you want to be right with God, you got to be careful what you eat. If you want God to love you, you got to be careful what's in your diet. Hey, hey, if you want to be healthy, you got to be careful with what's going in your mouth. And so what's Jesus do? Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, the problem isn't what's going in, it's what's coming out. Come on, say that. It's not what's going in, it's what's coming out. And so Jesus is diametrically opposed to the cultural icons of his day. And he says, <laughs> I love it because the Bible says the disciples come to Jesus and they're like telling like tattletales, hey, Jesus, the Pharisees said they're upset at you. Why didn't the Pharisees go right to Jesus? Do you know why? Because Jesus would have had their lunch. That's why. So they're just talking behind Jesus' back, and they're offended and they're upset because Jesus, this is so big, because Jesus is teaching contrary to what was popular in his day. Keep going. Verse 13. Come on, read this with me. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, come on, y'all ought to shout this. And if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Whew, this is good stuff. He's saying, listen, he's saying, if you think about the time of Jesus, he's saying to his disciples, hey, disciples, if you keep following important people, cultural iconic people, Hollywood elite people, A-lister people. He's saying, if you keep following them, you're going to fall in the same ditch that they're, that, that they're falling into. And we're guilty of it today. Listen, maybe you're not guilty of it, but I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of right, grab some, grabbing some things, and I'm guilty of going through the checkout line, and there's the magazine covers. And Jennifer Aniston lost 10 pounds. I'm like, I want to lose 10 pounds. How Beyonce got abs of steel. I'd like to have abs of steel. Right? How Ben Agflag got, you know, 
20-inch biceps getting ready for the Batman role. I'm like, I kind of like some 20-inch biceps. Right? And we just think, oh, if I was just like them, if I just had what they had. And come on, everybody in this room, we fall into that same line of following what's popular in culture, what everybody else is doing in culture. And right now, you know what everybody's doing in culture? Everybody in culture, when you leave here, if you go to the store, look at the magazine rack. Every magazine rack will have the newest diet, the newest way to lose weight, the newest way to lose inches. And it's all, it's just calling the masses. Hey, if you're going to have a great year, if you're going to love yourself, if things are going to be good in 2016, you're going to want to move the scale a a few ticks to the left. And Jesus says, hey, that's not the problem. In fact, that's the direction blind people go because the problem isn't what's going in the mouth. The problem is what's coming out of the mouth. And he says this, keep going, verse 15. Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? It's not the problem what goes in, but read it with me. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. This is so huge. This is, this is revolutionary teaching that If you don't catch it, you can blow by and and, kind of just think this is not true. But I want you to notice again what Jesus says. Those things which proceed out of the mouth, they come from the heart. Another place, Jesus says it this way. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is so big. He's saying, hey, he's saying, if you want to know really what's in your heart, all you have to do is listen to your words. If you want to know the condition of what really someone's heart is like, listen to what they say. Has anybody in this room, have you ever said something and then you said, well, I don't know where that came from? Has anybody here ever let their filter slip? Come on, wave at me if you've ever said something and you knew you shouldn't say it. Jesus would say, you don't have a filter problem. Jesus would say, you have a heart problem. See, because we're taught in our culture that you shouldn't just say whatever you think right? We're taught as young children that you need to be careful what you say. You shouldn't say things that hurt people's feelings. You shouldn't say things, right, that are off color. We need to be careful about how we talk about people. But listen, (laughs) Jesus is saying, hey, listen, just because you're filtering it doesn't mean it's not there. In fact, Jesus says you can't keep a lid on it. It's inevitable that what's really in your heart is going to at times slip out. And everybody in this room, we've done it. Several, uh, several months ago, we were at some friends of ours' house. They're in our church, and I won't, I won't say their last name. They'll write me a message later, I'm sure. But we were at their house, and uh, we were doing this slip and slide in the backyard, and they have some young children. And, and I was sitting just like on this hill, and their young son is sitting right, standing beside me. And we're eye level because he's standing, I'm sitting, he's a young kid. And we're having a good time. We're cutting up, laughing, and I love laughing. So, man, I'm like, I'm all into laughing And he looks at me with a total straight face. I mean, he's just total, just gut honest. He looks at me, he says, how come your tooth is sideways? And I was like, boom, no. (laughs) But I I, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, my teeth, you know, my teeth aren't the most straight. I wouldn't know, I wouldn't really call them sideways. But, you know, his, his dad taught, you know, said, Pastor, hey, listen, I told him, man, he shouldn't, you know, shouldn't say stuff like this. But you know what Jesus would say? Jesus would say, it's not that you have a filter problem, you have a heart problem. Because eventually, your words will expose what's really in your heart. And he's saying this, he's saying, hey, let me hear how you talk about your marriage. 
Let me hear how you talk about your spouse. Let me hear how you talk about what's going on in your life. Let me hear how you talk about your coworkers. He's saying, eventually, he's saying, I'm going to hear how you really feel about your situation. He's saying, hey, the problem isn't what's going in. You can change that, but that won't really change anything. Jesus says, if you really want to experience radical change in 2016, the radical change isn't something that's going to happen on the outside. It's something that's going to happen on the inside. And then he says this about this. Listen, he says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Read it with me. And they defile a man. The word defile means to corrupt, contaminate, dirty. Here's what I think Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, Jesus, this is kind of his, this is his go-to thing. I think this is in a nutshell what he wants us to hear. He's saying, listen, your heart can contaminate your faith. Your heart can contaminate your faith because whatever's in your heart will eventually bleed into every area of your life. If you're jealous, if you're full of bitterness, if you have a bunch of anger in your heart, if you have, if, if you have um, jealousy, envy, pride, anger, strife, he's saying if you got this stuff in your life, he's saying you can try to put a lid on it, you can try to cover it over, you can make excuses about it, but he says eventually that stuff is going to bleed its way into your marriage, into your relationships, into your career, into your home. He's saying so the only way you can change what's happening on the outside is you got to go to the source, and the source is your heart. Because whatever your heart is full of, that's what your life is going to be full of. So let me just ask you a question. If we could put your heart on a scale, what would it say? See, Jesus, he's not talking about your blood pumping muscle. He's not talking about that heart. He's talking about this part that's on the inside of every human being. He's talking about kind of the inside of us. That there's this part, it's, you can call it our soul, you can call it our spirit. It, you can't find it on, on, on an anatomy chart. You couldn't find it if we cut you open. But it's this part on the inside of every single one of us that kind of makes up who we are. And if we're not careful in this life, if we're not careful, all of this garbage gets into our heart and eventually bleeds out into every area. And here we are, come on guys, here we are. We want a better 2016. And what's our go-to? I'm going to eat different. Our go-to is less little Debbies. Our go-to is we're going to hit the gym a little bit more. And Jesus is like, okay, yeah, 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 that's good. That's okay. But if you're here and your marriage isn't where you want it to be, your finances are not where you want them to be, your home is not where you want it to be, your career, your school, your relationships are not where you want them to be, Jesus says you can't start on the outside. In order to change the world you're living in, in order to change the environment you're existing in, in order to change your life, you've got to change your heart. Keep reading. Every voice, come on, read this with me. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man or a woman. But to eat, I love this, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure girls don't do this, but I hope girls don't do this, right? Guys, I don't understand, guys. I'm calling you out. Men of Faith Church, as your pastor, you got to change. My son and I, every now and then we go to the movies. I see it everywhere, but I'm not sure about the movies. It's the weirdest thing. 
He's got to go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom with him. I'm standing there waiting for him to handle his business. And man after man, walk in, go to a urinal, walk out, and don't wash your hands. Are you kidding me? You're going to stick that hand in your bucket of popcorn? Walk out of a urinal, stick their hand in a bucket in a box of juju beads? Are you kidding me? That's nasty. That's disgusting. I don't know if anybody else has this. Like, I stand at restrooms sometimes. I get a little OCD, and I think, I can't touch that handle. But I don't want to carry a rag out. So I stand there like five minutes. How do I get out of this bathroom? I like to climb out of a window. Because like 90 men have walked through and went to the bathroom, didn't wash their hands and touched the handle that I got to touch. It's disgusting. Please, man, just keep looking at me. If I'm talking to you, just don't even, just look. Just lock in. 30 seconds, soap and hot water will save the world. Help us, please. As gross and as nasty as that is. Notice what Jesus says. That's not the problem. That's not, what, that's not what is defiling your life. That's not what is polluting your marriage. That's not what's corrupting your home. The problem is your heart. See, we live in a world, or maybe it's just my world, where we want to change everybody around us. We want to change our spouse, and we want, to change, we want to change our government. We want to change our community. We want to change our coworkers. Jesus says if you want to really experience true change, start with your own heart. I love this. This is what one of the wisest men who ever lived, his name was Solomon. This is what he had to say. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, notice that everybody here read this with me. Guard your heart above all else. Stop. These three words here are so key because remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, listen, everything I teach is important, but hear and understand because this is the most important. Solomon writes over 30 chapters of Proverbs. Proverbs about money, Proverbs about raising kids, Proverbs about your home, Proverbs about marriage. And then he says this. He's saying, out of everything I said, it's all important, but above everything else I'm saying. He's saying, if you're only going to listen to one thing I tell you, then listen to this. Read it with me. Guard your heart. For it determines the course of your life. You want to know where you're going to be in 2016? Show me your heart. Yeah, but I mean, Pastor, man, I I went and bought some new gym clothes, and I I got some sneaker 5.0s, and I've already got my gym membership, and it's on this year. I'm going to make it tick, tick, tick. I'm going to make it go down. It's great. Yeah, that's great. That's wonderful. But Jesus says our starting point isn't what goes into our mouth, but what comes out. And what's at the bottom of what comes out of our mouth is our heart. And that's where change. And so Solomon says you have to guard your heart. Because I live in a marriage like you with another person. And I don't always agree with her and I don't always like what she does. And sometimes she rubs me the wrong way. And I can get bitter and I can get angry and I can upset, get upset at her and I can do things to her. And she can, carry, she can carry things and she can be jealous and she can be angry and she can be unforgiving. And all that's going to do is hurt our marriage. And I can live in a world where I don't always agree with my coworkers. I may not always get along with everything they do and I may not agree with everything they say. And Jesus says the problem isn't them and the problem isn't your spouse. The problem is you've got to guard your heart. Because here's what I can tell you about 2016. There's going to be lots of opportunities starting today for jealousies, envies, murder, anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, pride, arrogance, and a whole load of other things to ease its way into your heart. And once it's into your heart, it'll start to contaminate everything you're connected to.
And so Jesus says, you want to have an amazing 2016? You want to really experience the life that I have for you? Then guard your heart and be careful not to let those things in. See, here's what Jesus ultimately is saying is that we don't need a health change. We need a heart change. And he's the one who can give us a brand new heart in 2016. So let me ask you just a couple questions as we get ready to close. Who are you mad at today? Who are you angry at? Who in your life, who in your life are you holding bitterness against? What is it that if someone asks you a question, you would be afraid to give them an honest answer? What is it that you're hiding that you would be ashamed somebody found out? What is it that's in the deepest part of you that you're, man, the same way you're afraid to get on the scale, you know it's there, but you're afraid to be honest with it. What is it that's in your heart? What is it that's in your life that if you're brutally honest, you would say, Pastor Steve, that needs to change? Because what Jesus is screaming is hear and understand. That's the problem. What Solomon is shouting in Proverbs is, hey, man, above anything else in your life, you've got to guard your heart. And so all across this room, I want to pray with you that going into 2016, that we're going to start here and today so we can have what God said we could have. Heavenly Father, I love you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, God, for myself. Lord, I know that there are things in my heart and in my life that God don't belong. God, it's so easy for things to slip into my life, God, when I don't pay attention, when I don't guard it. And Father, I know that I'm not the only one here. And so, Father, across this room, God, I pray for every person here that, God, they're honest enough to say, Pastor Steve, there's things in my life, God, there are some, there are some feelings, there are some issues in my life that I know that don't belong. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? I've, I've allowed some jealousy. I've allowed some anger. I've allowed some bitterness into my life. I've allowed some things into my heart. I've allowed some prejudice. I've allowed some, I've allowed some issues in that don't belong. If you're honest enough, and as I pray for myself today, I want to pray for you. You say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? I don't want to be concerned with what's going in. I want to be concerned, like Jesus said, with what's going out. If that's you, with no shame, I want you to lift a hand real high and say, Pastor Steve, pray for me. I want God to give me a new heart in 2016. See, he makes the promise. He makes the promise that he can reach deep inside of a heart of a man or a woman and give you a new heart. And so come on, lift your hand up real high and say, pray for me. I need God to give me a new heart and I need God to help me guard the heart I have. Father, I pray for every person that's honest enough to put their heart on the scale. And Father, we just confess in Jesus' name, forgive us for the things we've held on to. Forgive us for the things that we've allowed to dominate our lives. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you'll wash us, that you'll cleanse us, that you give us a brand new beginning, a brand new start with this brand new year. And God, moving into this year, I pray, help us with diligence, God, to guard our heart because out of it flow the issues of life. And so, Lord, I pray in our marriage, in our careers, in our relationship, in every aspect of our life, Father, help us not look to change by the outside, but God, help us to change on the inside. In Jesus' mighty name, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a minute more, the most important decision you'll make here today, if you've not already, is to say yes to God's grace. The Bible teaches that every single one of us, that we are sinners. We've all sinned. That's not a judgmental statement. That's not a critical statement because it's true of every one of us in this room. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all fallen short. 
And the Bible goes on to say that the wages of our sin is death. Not just physically dying one day, but spiritual death, being separated from God forever. See, God doesn't hurl people to hell. We choose not to accept the only way of forgiveness. That God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary so we could be forgiven. So if you're here today or you're watching online and you've never said, God, I need your grace, will you forgive me? If you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, you don't have to be a church member. All you got to do is say yes. He loves you enough that he made a way for you to be forgiven. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Holy Spirit, I pray that God, you would put your finger on the heart of every person in this room that needs salvation, of every person that needs to say yes, of every person that needs to bow their knee to the Lordship of Jesus. All across this room, if you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, I've never really said yes to God's grace. I've never accepted his forgiveness. Or if you're here and your commitment is moving into 2016, you've been playing games with God, and you're ready, man, to really get on board in your relationship with God, in your relationship with Christ. You say, Pastor Steve, will you pray for me? Today I want to commit my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high all across this room. If you want to say yes to God's grace, you want to say yes to his forgiveness, come on, real high, throw up a hand, no shame, and leave it up. Come on, throw it up and leave it up. If you're not serving God, if you're not sure, man, that heaven is your home, you're not sure that God's forgiven you, all you got to do is by faith say, God, I believe that you died for me. And he loves you enough. Throw it up and leave it up. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? We're going to pray. The Bible says that if we'll confess... Hear me, if you didn't lift a hand, this is still for you. The Bible says if we'll confess out of our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we'll believe, we'll have faith that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says through that, putting our trust and hope in Christ, the Bible says we're saved. So we're going to do that together. If you lifted a hand, especially you, but together, will you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, I believe. Come on, every voice. I believe that you died for me on the cross of Calvary so I could be forgiven. And I believe that you rose from the dead so I could have life. Save me today. Forgive me of my sin and make me your child. In Jesus' name, I receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord today?